You've selected a show from the Podcast Jukebox, a DIY podcast network. This episode of No Love Lost is brought to you by FredHeBakes.com. That's FredHeBakes.com. Folks, it's that time of year again. It's time to treat yourself to some delicious baked goods. So why not head on over to FredHeBakes.com and get yourself some brown sugar buddies or some maple brown sugar buddies or a big chip buddy to go ahead and help you celebrate the holiday season. And if you use the coupon code NoLoveLost, you'll get 20% off of your order. That's FredHeBakes.com, coupon code NoLoveLost. And if you're looking for other ways to support the podcast, why not head on over to the Podcast Jukebox Network, where you can get yourself some No Love Lost merchandise, like No Love Lost t-shirts or Crazy About Kurt t-shirts. Guys, as we roll into the holiday season, uh, it's a time where we reflect on what we're really thankful for. And as always, we are really thankful for all of you. Thank you for sticking with us through this topsy-turvy, very turbulent year. <laughs> it's It's been a time, but thank you so much for sticking with us, and uh, just know that we hope you are all doing well. We hope you're staying safe. We hope you're staying healthy, and um, we hope that you're taking care of yourselves. So know that, that we're thinking about you during this time. Thank you so much again for listening. We love you. And on that note, Michelle, if you would be so kind. Let's go to the island I would like to see the polar bears There was a crash And there are others And there are numbers And it all means something supposedly But even though there are times we fine i totally get that but like does she have to come too she's 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 one of us i don't <laughs> Megan, know man she's no, one of us. I, I, I mean you say that but like can we really trust her i don't know i don't know i don't know about this will it's just like me to try to bring in new people into this group during a pandemic <laughs> classic will uh welcome back to no love lost the podcast where we talk about every episode of the greatest television show in the history of mankind. That is a quote directly from my co-host. Uh, I'm Citation Will... needed! How <laughs> dare you! I'm Will Link. With me as always. Megan Salinas, and do not listen to this man. He tells nothing but lies. And we are here to talk about Season 3, Episode 16, One of Us. One, one of, of us. us. We accept her. One of, of us. us. Google gobble. Google gobble. You know, I've actually never seen that movie. It's a trip. I got it on DVD. It's a crazy one. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's one of those ones that be- because I'm a horror movie fan, I know of it by reputation, but I've never actually sat down to watch it. It's, a, it's interesting. It's worth a look. It's short, too. It's like only like maybe like 70 minutes. Yeah, wasn't uh, and and uh, some stuff was cut out, if I'm not mistaken. Some yes. of the more grisly, some of the the more grisly directions that they wanted to take it. But anyway, uh, we're not for, here to talk about old films. Yeah, th- just so people are wondering, we're talking about Todd Browning's Freaks, 
the great horror film from the 30s. But yes, Megan, we are here to talk about season three. Oh, I already did that. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) Okay, quarantine brain, man. We're getting in a time loop. Um, (laughs) Hey, hey, we're a season too early for that. (laughs) uh, This episode is written by Carlton Coos and Drew Goddard. Oh, our boy. It's interesting. We also had, um, last week there was an episode with Lindelof without Coos. This week it's Coos without Lindelof. Um, yeah, that seems to be happening quite a bit this season. I feel like they, 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 they maybe they were dividing and conquering here. Uh, and uh, it is directed by Jack Bender. And it is a Juliet episode, which means I'm excited and Megan maybe isn't. I'm lukewarm, honestly. I, I don't feel strongly about it one way or another. It's one of those things where, as an adult, I look at this and I'm like, yes, I understand the merits of this. And I, but like, I can also put myself back in the shoes of my younger self and understand why I found it frustrating upon an initial view. So it's one of those things where I don't hold the anger and venom towards it that I think I had the first time around. But at the same time, I'm like, I I still need to be convinced (laughs) you're going to have to win me over, Juliet. But I do remember like this this time around it's it was a much more enjoyable watch than the first time i watched it for sure well um as you know i'm a a big juliet fan and this is an episode that like i mean you're probably gonna have to listen to me praise elizabeth mitchell a lot in this episode i mean she is fantastic in this it's really good so let's uh let's get to it let's start well, before we do, I have to do that thing I do. Do that thing you do. Uh, guys, if for whatever reason this is your first time listening to No Love Lost, just as a heads up, there are potential spoilers all throughout this episode. So from here on out, we may in fact be talking about the end of the series, the end of certain character arcs, plot points from later on down the line. Just as a heads up, guys. This is your official spoiler warning for anything Lost related. So you have been warned. So let's start with the flashback. Dun, dun, dun. And Here we go. What, what's the sound for the Wayback Machine? Because it's like three years that we go back. Yeah, we go back a while. Is that the Wayback Machine sound? That's, um, I mean, that's Wayne's World. Close enough. <laughs> um, but they took it from something. It must have been the Wayback Machine. Um, uh, so Juliet and her sister are they're they're going to her her new job. They're they're driving there, and they pull up to the gate, and and Richard and Ethan are there to greet her. Like, oh, it's always so exciting when you're starting a new job and you're playing your favorite song downtown on the radio. Oh, I didn't even notice that that's what was playing on the radio. I was just looking at Ethan and Richard and just shaking my head going, you, (laughs) oh, you. And basically this is, this is the moment for her. She's going to have to leave her newly pregnant, cancer stricken, sister uh behind to take this important job 
and and you can see how how crestfallen she is because like they're basically kicking her sister to the curb right here when like i think they both had the impression that like she was going to be able to walk her to the gate at the very least because this is a private airport um so yeah you can definitely see and and this is just the first instance of really excellent acting from everybody around because like the look of disappointment is there, but at the same time, you know, they're, they're trying to like not appear too disappointed because this is a great opportunity and everything like that. And you don't want to see them ungrateful. So it's like disappointed, but it's, you know, they're, they're keeping a stiff upper lip about it. And, you know, look, it's six months and the sister real, you know, I think her sister realizes what she did for me, getting me pregnant, like this, she did something amazing and it has to be be shared with to the world. Like, I think she has that attitude. Like the sister is a very supportive character, even just a little, even just the way she looks at her. And uh, the sister's played by a great actress, Robin uh, uh, Weigert, who is, uh, people might know from Deadwood, she played Calamity Jane. She's fantastic. So even in the small part, like, I feel like just with the way they're looking at each other, they're conveying so much here. Yeah. And um, something I really appreciate about this episode, too, is that it does not take long to fill in the blanks that we had from Juliet's previous flashback episode. Because I think you and I, um, I don't remember if it made it to the final cut of the episode because I ended up having to do make my way through a lot of audio issues oh did we have but, did we have audio issues have we oh, had we audio def- issues <laughs> i was i was unaware of that um but one thing that we talked about was um the sort of vagueness of her sister's ailment of like, and I think at one point you did ask me, you're like, do we know what her illness is? Is it cancer? I think it's cancer. Yeah. Um, but like the, it does not take this episode long to actually sit down and define it was cancer. It wrecked her um, reproductive system and uh, she's currently in remission. And thanks to Juliet, her reproductive system seems to be in working order again. So it's like very, very quickly, those weird, vague, nebulous sort of hand waved things from Juliet's last episode get concretely defined very succinctly. And I'm like, Oh, thank you show. (laughs) That's, that's nice. It's, it's so nice to have concrete answers. (laughs) So thank you show. Well, if loss is, I'll have more questions later. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so basically she's sitting there with, with, uh, Richard and Ethan and Richard, pours her a giant glass of orange juice that he's clearly put something in and he and it's a great little from a directing standpoint misdirect because it's like oh he's right up front with her like oh this is a glass of orange juice uh uh filled with tranquilizer a healthy amount of tranquilizer (laughs) and of course juliet's a little like oh no why would i drink that and he's basically like well why have you been fine with everything else Here's what we've done. It goes down the laundry list of all, by the way, all red flags. If you're ever offered a job and these are the ways it's offered to you, don't take that job. But now here's the thing is like, 
this for me would have been a deal breaker. I would I would never <laughs> like knowingly allow somebody to roofie my <laughs> roofie me because that's basically what happens. Um, but I guess from Juliet, like that at that point, I would be like, well, this has been fun. Uh, I'm going to call my sister and she's going to pick me up. Goodbye forever. That would be what I would try to do. Although I'm sure in, in that instance, they would just like, I don't know, actually shoot a tranquilizer at her. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's the thing. Do you think at that moment, because it's clear when she's on the island, Ben's never going to let her go. But we also know Ben has some like weird unresolved feelings about her. Yeah, I don't now, I don't think either of like I don't necessarily think either of them, Ethan or Richard, knows that Ben is going to become infatuated with this woman. Yeah, so my my question is like when they say in that moment, "Oh, uh you could leave if you want." Do you think that's true? Do you think she can just leave if she wanted to at that moment? I don't know. Because we know that even though these guys claim to be operating um, under, you know, the, the idea that they're operating, that they're running this operation for Jacob and in accordance with Jacob's will, uh, as we kind of find out later, no, Ben really doesn't have a super great connection with Jacob. So we can't really trust anything that the others are doing when they say that it's for Jacob or in accordance with what Jacob wants. We can't really trust that because Ben's their leader. Um, so on the one hand, I don't necessarily think Richard or Ethan would want to force Juliet to go, but we also know that Ethan definitely isn't above kidnapping. <laughs> yeah. uh, but the the other thing is, is that, you know, Juliet is sitting next to these two people, one of whom she thinks might have somehow orchestrated her ex-husband getting hit by a bus. So in her mind, if she says no, and they do allow her to walk out the door, at some point, they could probably do the same to her, you know, if yeah. they really wanted to. So I, I understand it's a funny it's a funny moment where she just grabs the whole thing and immediately downs it. But like if her option is these are not people to be trifled with, because Richard makes it sound like, no, it's all going to be good. Like this place is really special and amazing and wonderful. Ooh. And aren't you tired of living a life of like, not special and awesome and wonderful things. Um, well, he plays you're to, going he, to be amazing. He plays to her ego. I mean, yeah. he basically says she's God. He basically, he says you created life where life wasn't supposed to be. I mean, you know, he knows. But, what, yeah, what, yeah. He knows how to play to, to people. Uh, but at the same time, I could definitely see her being like, no, I don't want to do this anymore. And then pulling out the... Well, what happened to your husband? That could happen to anybody. Uh, you know, that sort of thing. You don't know what we're capable of. I could I could very easily see this entire conversation turning on a dime very, very quickly. Um, well, she chugs the drink. Probably shouldn't have chugged it, but she chugged the drink. And she wakes up and she's tied up. And she's like strapped down. And then uh, Ethan comes and unstraps her because uh, they're there. 
they've ridden the submarine to the <laughs> island. Because it's like, uh, weren't we at an airport? <laughs> that's a long, I, I don't, like, I don't know anything about submarines, but I imagine they do not move very fast. Uh, yeah, I've got no clue. Uh, the only submarine I've ever ridden is the, uh, I, I've been inside of a submarine, uh, but the only submarine I've ever actually ridden are the ones at Disneyland. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know how fast they're actually supposed to move. I mean, it's not moving faster than a plane. It's not moving faster that she could have been knocked out the entire time. Like, it's got to be days, right? Yeah. <laughs> how much tranquilizer did he give her? Uh, because, yeah, she was asleep for whatever plane ride and then the submarine ride on top of that. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, she gets out of the sub, and immediately she meets Mr. Benjamin Linus, everyone's favorite friend on the island. <laughs> I mean, it's nice that the wel- like he's there for the welcoming committee. That's nice. And... Nothing nefarious going on here. And the next time we see her, she's like, she's hard at work. She's she's uh, in the operating room and a woman has died. She's lost a patient. Which, um, if you think about it, given how regularly people are dying, they probably should have invested in a working defibrillator. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I... Because, <laughs> like, a couple episodes ago when Colleen was dying and they were like, she that, that defibrillator hasn't worked for several years. Um, well, if people were dying on the regs, uh, maybe that's a thing you should invest in as opposed to saying, well, nobody really seriously gets hurt here. No big. La, da, la, la, la. Well, she was, I mean, it, it's interesting because then we start to learn that, oh, why are they dying because of the pregnancy. And this is where we start to talk about like how pregnant women just die on the island. And, you know, she's very broken up about it because she's been trying to figure this out. She thinks maybe if it's something that happens at conception, and if so, there's nothing she can do about it. And, uh, you know, Ben comes to, she's, you know, Ben comes to talk to her. And it's like, he tries to convey, like, she knew the the risks. She wanted to try to be well, pregnant. The other thing, though, is that she's floating other ideas of things that could be tried. Of, like, you know, taking women back to the mainland and conceiving there. Or, like, taking them back to compare results on the mainland after they, they get pregnant on the island. Like she is floating ideas and he is shooting all of them down being like, no, that's not possible. That's we're not doing any of that. And so she's like, well, then my hands are tied. There's nothing I can do. You're not letting me do my job. Um, and yeah, and she's like, just send me home. Then I want to go home. My sister's probably about to have the baby. And then Ben is like, well, about that. Your sister's cancer has returned, but we can cure your sister's cancer as long as you stay. And then he even mentions, he's like, Jacob will take care of it. And, you know, the illusion here is that whatever happened 
in these past like six months there. Juliet has clearly become a believer in Jacob because she kind of like, like she kind of perks up by that idea. At, like, like that means that means. At the sound of his name, so, yeah. At the sound of his name, her demeanor completely changes. Ben saying Jacob will handle it personally. It like, it's kind of. I mean, it's basically like if you were alive during the time of Christ and one of his disciples was like, oh, no, Jesus got Jesus will take care of it. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Lazarus is dead. Don't worry. Jesus is on top of it. <laughs> oh, wait, like the wedding ran out of wine. Don't worry. Jesus has got your back. <laughs> you know, Jesus probably got sick of that. Oh, totally. Could you imagine every little thing? Like, oh, Jesus will take care of it. Jesus, we didn't bring enough food to the picnic. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> okay. Dad damn it. Oh, man. So she, she must believe that he can do this. So she stays. She decides to stay. Cut to an indiscriminate amount of time that we later find out is three years. She's in bed with Goodwin. I laughed. <laughs> uh, I felt kind of bad, but I was just like, ha, that's funny. And Good for them. She gets uh, some x-rays delivered, and she looks at them, and it's like, oh, there's a tumor. And we immediately know whose back she's looking at. It's Ben. And she comes to, to tell him about, like, hey, listen. Like, that back pain you're having, it's a giant tumor. So she shows up at his house, and uh, first he wants to briefly talk about Kerry, which, by the way, why do all the people in the others have an issue with the phenomenal book, Kerry? I'm just saying. I, it's a it's a fantastic book. Um, for Ben, it seems like his issue with it is that it's a kind of kind of a downer. And it's like, yeah. That's the point. It's supposed to be a tragedy, guy. <laughs> so, um, Juliet is very confrontational with this because if Ben has cancer, no one on the island gets cancer. If yeah, ben, that's one of the, that was one of the things he said specifically in his pitch to, to kind of be like, "This can be done. We can cure her." Um, so now she starts to disbelieve about her sister because. Yeah. If Ben's getting because at, at some at some point there was clearly some sort of mistruth <laughs> at play here. Um, and you know you get this sense that Juliet is in general frustrated because, like you said, her hands are tied with her work. She can't even do the things she's a specialist at. You know she can't even she can't even help these yeah. women get pregnant without killing them. It's it's so weird because like Richard and Ethan can go to the mainland to bring people over. Why can't she go to and from to conduct this research? Honestly, if he had let her do that and like let her see her sister, she might have been successful. Yeah, you know what? It's interesting. She might have cracked the code, man. <laughs> by the time you're three years into it. Like, you can't let her leave because she won't come back. Like, she just wouldn't. 
Yeah, but, but at if, the point if, if they when had she, just done it from the beginning, yeah, it would have been fine. If, at the point six months, she said, "Let me." This, she probably would have came back and forth from the island. Who knows? Maybe she would have solved the problem. But Ben yeah, is such a controlling freak. Yeah, especially if they kept playing to her ego and the amazing work that she's doing and how brilliant she is and all that other stuff that they used to originally get her to go the anyway. Oh man. And like, she she wants to help. She she's someone who, by the nature of her career, she wants to help these women get pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. That's what doctors typically like to do. They like to help people. Uh, usually. Um uh, yeah, no, it's it, it's just it goes to show that Ben's ego is the is the real antagonist here. If he didn't have such an insane amount of ego um, and need to control everything, so many problems on the island would have been non-existent. Especially because he makes pretty boneheaded decisions, as I will point out in the following scene. But we got to wrap well, this and one up. He first. is he is he is scared in this scene too, and that's a position you don't see Ben in all the time. Yeah, it's like because uh, we don't know if he was just straight up lying about the cancer thing, or if he genuinely believed nobody should be able to get sick like that here because of Jacob. And so the knowledge that he now has cancer, it's like, what does that mean? Does it mean simply that he was caught in a lie or does it mean he's fallen out of favor with Jacob what like or does it mean that Jacob was never really there what does it mean will what does it mean it means we have to keep watching the series <laughs> uh, <you're> not wrong <laughs> so so the next flashback it's the morning of the book club we've seen this before it's how the season started and downtown and she's talking about carrie and then the plane crashes i i do like how they um they kind of like go through the beats that we already know happen but they have downtown pl playing all the way over it yeah, i really liked that because that was a we great don't touch we don't need to see it until the moment where ben is giving his orders to goodwin and to ethan to go make lists Which and can i oh go ahead go ahead oh what were you gonna say I was going to say, what an idiot. <laughs> what an idiot. Because it seems besides Juliet, Goodwin and Ethan are the only medically trained people in their little, um, in, in, in their society. And like, I understand if he wanted to be like altruistic and be like, there could be survivors go so you can help medically trained personnel but no he just sent two out of three of his doctors on reconnaissance missions and at the end of this episode we find out that he sends three out of three of his doctors on reconnaissance missions stop sending your doctors to be spies you idiot in fairness to the third one um the other two were already dead well, I was going to say, in fairness to the third one, the third one's in a unique position. Yeah, she had an in. Uh, still shouldn't have sent two out of three of your doctors on reconnaissance missions from the get-go. <laughs> like, unless these guys were just, like, super overachievers and they, like, literally did everything on the island. In which case, I don't know. Uh, still, don't send sent, them. <laughs> you should have sent Mr. Friendly. Yeah. 
Yeah, there, there are lots of extras you could have sent. Heck, even Miss Clue. Like, <laughs> um, so I'm just saying it's a dumb, dumb move. Retro. And granted, nobody knew at the start of the series when they started writing it that those two people specifically were going to be doctors, <laughs> I'm sure. But it is one of those things where it's really weird to like look back on and go, wow, that was a really dumb decision Ben made. But they're not doctors, right? They're just like people with some medical experience. I don't know. They're, they're it. I don't know if they're doctors or not, but they were in that operating room with Juliet with masks and scrubs on. So they have some medical training. So Ben's like, hey, now that all this is going on, Juliet, come with me. And they go to uh, Mikhail's little hut, which Juliet seems to uh, 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 not even know exists, his little house, you know. I did I did really like uh, Ben going, like, he doesn't have his radio on him. Hey, Mikhail, don't shoot us, you maniac. <laughs> yeah, that was nice. That was a nice touch. That was, like, um... When Ben Linus delivers a line that is played up for comedy, it's it's pretty effective because like very little changes about his actual delivery, but it works really well. Um, and this is the monitoring station, which we already kind of know this. And we see that they are, um, uh, he's already got information on the flight. He's already getting more and more information. They're communicating with the outside world. And then Ben's like, here, let me let me show you something. And he's able to have Richard pull up a, who's back in America, back in Miami, pull up a live feed of her sister with the, uh, with the, with the, the baby, Juliet's nephew. Yeah, named Julian. Yeah. And so it's like, so this is Ben's little, like, see, I wasn't lying. And now he, he kind of, again, Juliet's getting the sales pitch. Like, they're going to be, there could be a mother on that plane, you know? Yep, basically, keep keep doing what you're doing. I keep my promises. Uh, once your work is done, then you can go home. That was the agreement. Now, there is one more flashback, but I want to save that for the end. Which is fair. Uh, because it kind of is a direct kind of result of, of what we see in the present. So, do you want to go to the island, Megan? I mean, which island? Are we talking Big Island, Little Island, the island of Hawaii? I would we're, love to go to Hawaii. We're going to go to that the, the little island with the zoo and just talk <laughs> about what's going on there off screen. Okay, great. <laughs> Um, so Jack, Saeed, Juliet, and Kate are heading back towards the camp. And of course, you know, they can't do it all in one day, so they have to stop and and make a camp. And And they're like, this isn't awkward in the slightest. Everything's fine. Yeah, everybody's (laughs) like, no one's saying much because everyone's like, "Mm, Juliet, don't trust her. So Kate and Jack go off to get uh, some wood. And even that, it takes a little while for them to start talking. And I, I thought it was nice that, you know, I mean, it's probably only a couple of seconds, but like it takes a beat before like we dive into conversation. Yeah. 
all things considered, like it, it shook out really it, it, like the, the way the conversation went, the, like the proper amount of awkward silence was issued. And Kate's kind of like, okay, you with them for a week. Tell me about it. What, what's going on? And Jack basically says like, look, I cut a deal with them. I cut a deal with them to leave. And she's like, that's it. He's like, that's it. And I mean, that's, that really is it. It's, it's like, they want it to be because the others are such this, built up idea and this enemy they want it to be more nefarious yeah they want it to be something else or she wants him to say like she wants him to say like i was infiltrating them and i got this info no he was oh go ahead go ahead he just he wanted to leave (laughs) to bring help back but also Uh, you know, they, they're not talking about the big thing about whether or not she actually broke his heart. But, I mean, to be fair, and I, I know we've been a little hard on Kate last couple episodes because she was so insistent on saving Jack when he didn't want to be saved. To be fair, if somebody said, we'll go, don't come back for me, just run. And then in the process of you running away, you found a room dedicated to clockwork oranging mind controlling people. Wouldn't you have that second thoughts about whether or not the person you left behind needs help? I would have second thoughts once I saw the person was like getting along with everybody in that group. Exactly, which came after the Clockwork Orange Room. <laughs> I don't so, know. Kate, Kate, no, I- no, you're, you're, you have one hundred. You have absolutely every right to be like, Kate, you're too, you're too hard headed about this whole thing. I'm just saying, I have no idea what I would think if I was on a magical island. I was kidnapped. I made my escape because my friends sacrificed themselves for me. And then I found a mind control room. And then I go back and my friends playing football with them. I wouldn't know what to think either. (laughs) To be fair. I'm just, I'm putting myself in that scenario, which I didn't really do when we were hitting those episodes. Now that I'm thinking about it more, I'm like, oh yeah, I totally think he was brainwashed. (laughs) So... While this is happening, Saeed and Juliet are having their own awkward silence where Juliet kind of breaks because it's like, you know, st- say what you're going to say, do what you're going to do kind of attitude. And Saeed basically uh, is like, I want to know why the kidnapping. I want to know why the list. But I want to know who you are. And she says, if I told you everything, you'd kill me. To which Saeed has a very proper response of, what do you think I'll do if you don't? <laughs> um, but he says this, right? It's good Jack's, line. Good line. It, it is a good line. A, a good line that's undercut slightly later when he talks about how he doesn't torture people anymore. But, <laughs> but, but she doesn't know that. <laughs> she doesn't know that. But Jack comes back and basically he's like, he knows what's going on. And he's like, hey, she's under my protection, which I guess is a thing you can call protection for people. Um, and this is where I'm like, what show are we in? Jack, in what world can you protect anybody? <laughs> but, you know, I mean, I get why Jack trusts Julia. I get it. 
Yeah, he made her, uh, or, or she made him sandwiches. Yeah, and I mean, we'll get to it. The reason why he she makes a good grilled cheese sandwich. Will what other proof of her her worth as a human being do you need? I want Julia to make me grilled cheese sandwich. I've been having a like no joke. I've been having a lot of grilled cheese sandwiches since quarantine started. Um, a lot of grilled cheese sandwiches, a lot of ramen. I've what's your ha- what's your go to dish of I, choice? I've been having a lot of ramen also. <laughs> I have been having a lot of ramen. I eat a lot of like, I got like a lot of frozen chicken breasts. I'm doing a lot of chicken and rice kind of stuff, like nothing crazy. Yeah, I, I was doing a lot of skillets for a while. Right now, I'm on a bit of a nachos kick. Like uh, the other day, I I made chicken in a skillet, and I did uh, chicken nachos with guac- guacamole salsa. It was really good. <laughs> I feel like I don't know what the hell I'm. Eating. <laughs> I'm, I'm eating like I'm not like not eating, but I feel like oh, what did I eat? Oh, I just threw this thing in a pan. Now it's a lot of a lot of meals run together. You know, yeah. you buy a, a lot of the same ingredients in bulk, and then you know you just yeah. It's like I'll kind of eat the same thing three days in a row because I made like a like a bunch of the same thing. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But um, <laughs> this is anyway. important, guys. This is why you this... can't underestimate the value of a good grilled cheese sandwich. So, you know, they're walking back to camp, and then the next day, and Jack's telling Juliet, "Yeah, they'll they'll come around," which is like even he doesn't believe it when he's saying <laughs> that. You know, he's a terrible, terrible liar. <laughs> and they make it back to camp, and we have one of our many like lost to Michael Giacchino scored reunions. We've had this a lot in the series where of course we see, we see Jack's walking onto the beach. Sawyer spots him. (laughs) It's funny because I, I watched this episode with my roommate and as Jack is walking up in slow motions, I I just kind of turned to her and went, Jack's okay. And he's back. Okay, he's all right. Let's show. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, it kind of works. <laughs> so this whole scene, though, is done through Sawyer's eyes. Oh, and it's it's beautiful. Yeah. The Giacchino score is lovely, and I really liked. I, I joke, I joke, but like, I really liked this moment because it it's it's moments like these that remind us all of like what is like one of the best things about lost and it's the fact that these people who go from being strangers slash survivors end up being a family and there's yes. moments of like this that really solidify it um you know even you know they they all have their differences they all get into squabbles they they all have their faults and everything like this but moments like this where they all come back together it's it's genuinely heartwarming and beautiful and like the the moment sawyer came came up and shook jack's hand and then gave him a hug i literally threw my i was like Come on, just hug. Just hug. Brother's got a hug. And then he hugged him and I threw my arms up and I went, yeah. Well, it's so funny. They say, and they both have this look on their face of like, uh, who are we kidding? You know? <laughs> it's kinda... it, was, um, and then it was great. It was great. Eight gives Kate a hug, but then 
he sees Juliet and the tone changes. I did like that Kate hug though, because there's, I, like I mean, they've, they've, They've been through a lot of stuff, and like the last time he saw her, he refused to apologize. Um, you know who who was actually at fault? We we've talked about at length. You know that's up in the air. But like at the end of the day, she wanted him to apologize. He didn't, and then she ran off, and he hasn't seen her since then. And so like there's a lot that's been running around in his head since then, and a lot's happened. Nikki and Paolo are dead. <laughs> But, Who's going to break that news to Jack and Kate? But with the exception of Jack, Sawyer now has the opportunity to bond with everybody over a hatred of Juliet. Sawyer is no longer <laughs> the most hated man in camp. <laughs> Woo! He gets a gold star. And, you know, Juliet's kind of sitting down by the shore and Hurley comes over to her. And at first you don't really know if like Hurley's just being good natured Hurley, and I, <laughs> I I like this though because like we'll we'll talk about how the the scene actually plays out, but like you know we we've talked in the past about moments that highlight why Hurley is the most qualified person to take um, to basically uh, uh, take over as um, Kate caretaker of the island and this is another one of those moments i think um so what ends up happening is uh um you know he starts talking to her and it, it becomes clear that he's been in fact juliet calls it out like oh you're here to watch me and you know hurley you know hurley's basically like oh, i don't recognize you from the dock and she's got the great line of, um, I had the day off. Like, Juliet's, fu- I'm sorry, Juliet's funny. She's quippy. She's, I mean, you know, we, we've known that since the moment uh, she was giving Jack grief when he was in that aquarium <laughs> prison. Yeah. Um, you know, she's like, oh, yeah, I killed the cow and, you know, <laughs> uh, chopped it up and everything like that. And I made you eat this burger. Yeah. Uh, and She's you know, very sarcastic and dry witty. Yes. And um, if there's one way to win over Hugo, humor. it's going to be with a joke, right? Yeah. yeah. It's it's kind of perfect. And also, though, but then when you think about her and it's like, oh, she's probably read some dossier on him. It probably knows that. Yeah. But, like, I uh, talk again, the acting in this episode is so good because she gives that line and Hugo gives just this little smirk. It's not like a big wide grin or everything like that because he he doesn't trust her either. But he gives just the slightest smirk of like, "Huh, that was funny. She's funny. That's fun." Still and, don't trust her, but that's fun. <laughs> and then he brings up like Ethan, like basically basically reminds her like, "Oh yeah, one of you came here and uh uh we killed him. Charlie killed him." And he's buried over there. So uh, like, he, uh, go, go ahead, go ahead. So like, he's like, he's, he's, and that, that goes to that island caretaker thing. Like, he's not always the pushover you think he is. Like, he'll give it to you. Like, he'll, he'll call you out on your BS. Her. Yeah. 
Exactly. And he's been through some stuff, too. They kidnapped him. They kidnapped his friends. They made him trek all the way. They kidnapped uh, Walt and, you know, made Michael kill Libby and Anna Lucia. So, like, he's not going to be pushed over so easily. Like, sure, Juliet's funny, but it's going to take more than a joke to to get him to trust her. Uh, I, I will say, though, that, like, uh, again, I was watching this with my roommate. And he says that line of, like, uh, Ethan uh, kidnapped Claire, made Charlie very upset. He's buried over there. Uh, you know, my roommate doesn't have as much context for this show as you and I. And so she's like, oh, my gosh, did he mean that as a threat? Because, oh, my God, that's so good. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, yeah, he did. <laughs> good job, Hurley. Good job, Hugo. The rest of the group during this time is debating her fate. And Jack is arguing for her. Uh, and, you know, he basically then has to say, like, yeah, they were going to let us go. And but John Locke, that maniac, <laughs> blew yeah. up the submarine, therefore destroying any and all hope of me coming back and bringing help for everyone. <laughs> but while this is happening... Claire has taken ill. Bum, bum, bum. So now we got to go and, back. And it's, it's very sudden too, because like she was fine the last time we saw her. And then at the, at the start of this episode, all of a sudden, yeah, she's seems to be under the weather and it goes from like mild flu, like symptoms uh, at the, at the top of the episode to straight up, coughing up blood <laughs> very I mean, very quickly i feel like you've already summed up what you what someone might think is the b story but really it cuts right into the heart of the a story um yeah we have early on in this episode aaron is crying and claire is like sleeping through it and there's something off with her she's not feeling well um you know and then she Right before everyone comes back, uh, Sawyer very happily is going to go get her some aspirin, and uh, yeah, which is which is a nice thing because like he goes from insulting Hurley as he's fixing himself breakfast to being like, oh yeah, Claire, I got you. But now <laughs> she's a... nobody has a bad thing to say about Claire. <laughs> but now she's a mess and she's passed out and she's sick and and Juliet knows. And why does Juliet know? Because it's her fault. Because it is her fault. Even if it wasn't her fault, it's her fault. <laughs> you know, but it's I mean, her like, fault for multiple reasons. Like we find out towards the end the real reason why it's her fault, but it's, you know. Um, she claims it's because they were giving her these injections and she had a bad... Uh, she's basically having reaction. withdrawal symptoms yeah. is what she's saying she needs this medicine and Juliet knows where Ethan kept it around there and like by the cave and she's gonna go get it and then she's the one who talks about it. again like every pregnant woman on this island has died until Claire like so we were you know 
We were trying to save her life and keep things on the DL. We were never going to kidnap her. She was a part of the control group. And then Ethan was found out and he improvised. He went AWOL. Nobody told Ethan to do that. He was acting on his own. Uh, definitely believe that and definitely don't believe that Ben told him to do whatever it takes. <laughs> yep, all Ethan. All Ethan. Well, let me ask you this. Do you think... Because it... <sighs> Uh, I'm not trying to defend Ethan here, or maybe I'm trying to defend Juliet because I like her, but... (laughs) I think that for the purpose... Personally, I think that for the purposes of this con, uh, they're throwing Ethan under the bus, the proverbial bus, uh, because he's already dead. Like, who's... (laughs) He's not going to care. But they're throwing him under the bus uh, to make it seem like Juliet is more trustworthy than she actually is. But I will say this, like, it's not, um, it's like, and maybe this is why it's a good lie if it's a lie. It's not unbelievable. Like, it makes logical sense. Every, all the best lies have kernels of truth in them or are very, very close to the truth. So, honestly, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter whether or not Ethan if the scenario played out as as she says, if Ethan went AWOL or not, um, I have no doubt that even if uh, Ethan did make that judgment call on his own and go off script, I have no doubt that Ben would have ordered him to do it if like, like I, I'm <laughs> like, you know, if if the situation escalated to that point, yeah. I have no doubt in my mind that that's what Ben would order him to do. I mean, they were kidnapping children. What's kidnapping a pregnant woman? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so she's like, I'm going to go get the serum. And she does. But who follows her to stop her? Saeed and Sawyer teaming up. What an unlikely duo. <laughs> Aw, isn't it nice when they can put their differences aside to gang up on someone else? <laughs> and they're basically like, you know, uh-uh-uh. But she's like, look, there's no time. Uh, I got to get this to Claire. This will be the thing to save her. And then she does an, I think, awesome dressing down of them both. Like, you guys are the moral police. You don't pretend to be so righteous. Uh, Like, you were, like... Did you know about, and she mentioned someone specific that Saeed, so I said, like, do you know, uh, do they know, Sawyer, you killed a man the day before your flight? Um, Can I ask a question? Yeah. It's a, don't get me wrong. It's a great moment. It's a great monologue, great performance and everything like that. How did she know? Because I get that they pulled personal files on everybody, but even the cops didn't know that Sawyer killed that guy unless that like they put it together after the fact, like when he got arrested the following day, uh, uh, like it was for drunkenness (laughs) and rowdy, rowdy behavior. It wasn't for murder. So as far as we know, that murder has gone unsolved unless the police put it together after he already got back on the plane. I don't know. They know everything about these people. But that's the thing is like if, if that's that an unsolved know. murder, how would they know? <laughs> because they know they can cure cancer, Megan. 
But I mean, I'm not. I mean, that sounds ridiculous the way I'm saying. It, but it, I mean, that's that's the truth. Like they know all the little secrets. They know all the things about all the people. They've got eyes everywhere. Jacob sees all. Jazzy, though. Yeah. <laughs> there are certainly some things he didn't see coming. <laughs> uh, that's true. Uh, we're not there yet. We'll, we'll get there in a year. <laughs> but if we're lucky. But, <laughs> um, but no, I mean, like, I okay, never so it's also like, It is also possible that the police put it together after Sawyer got on the plane. And then they were like, shoot, he's on his way out of the country. And then the plane went down. They were like, oh, well... <laughs> I mean, look, in, in fairness, the the show, I don't think them knowing is unprecedented to stuff we've seen before. Fair enough. It's just, you know, they made such a point of telling Mikhail, I want pers- everybody's personal records. <laughs> you know, it like, to me, that, that demystified it a little bit to be like, oh, it's because, you know, this guy is pulling all the information he can find on them. It's well, just, I mean, who's to say the murder wasn't necessarily on the books? <laughs> I mean, it just who, seemed odd to me. Who's to say they didn't solve the crime? <laughs> I'm oh serious. My God. I'm CSI serious. Island Edition. <laughs> I'm serious. Like they put things together. Like I, I have no, you know, they get get people hit by buses. Like I have no question that they could solve a, a you know a fairly you, easily solvable murder. You've brought up an excellent point. <laughs> there is some metaphysical stuff at play here. Uh, so, yeah, even if the police overlook something, uh, they can put two and two together. I mean, they found Locke's father. Fair point. Okay. You know what? I'll back off on this one. I just, I, I thought it was odd. Like, it was, a, I was being nitpicky, but I did think that it was odd in an episode where they make a point of saying, okay, you know, pull the records on everybody um, to have, to, for her to throw something in his face that wasn't on the record. Especially because she mentioned that, like, you know, she knows more about Jack than Kate does because she's read everything in his file, you know? Yeah. But, uh, like I said, that's a stupid nitpick. <laughs> There's no, no need to dwell on it. I get it. I get it. I just feel like it's... it's. I, if this were the first time I felt like they did something like this, I might be, like, with you, but I feel like we've established uh, uh, they can do this. So, um, you know, basically she puts them in their place and she goes back and she gives Claire the um, the serum and Jack's basically warning her, like, if this doesn't work, there's nothing I could do to protect you. But of course it works. And... All according to plan. And Claire is fine. And the end of the episode, Jack brings her like a tarp and uh, uh, a blanket. And it's like, you can camp here. The people said you could camp here. I mean, she's not quite the man of the hour, but like, uh, the, the you know, things are different now. It's like, okay, she did something good. We don't trust her to be like in our little like circle here. She could stay on the beach. It's like, instead of chanting, we accept her one of us, they're like, we accept her one of us. But, like, you stay over there. <laughs> yeah. um, but Jack does tell her, like, and it's the first time we see, like, Jack is kind of like, you know, he's protecting her. 
but he lets her know, like, we're going to need some answers. Yeah. Yeah, because he's like, you know, everybody's going to give you your space, uh, but you're going to have to say something at some point. And then she kind of is like, like, Jack, why do you trust me? <laughs> Knowing full well he shouldn't. She says, <laughs> why, do you, why do you trust me? And he brings up a great point um, where he says uh, he saw her eyes when the sub exploded. He knows she wants off that island as much as anyone, which means he She's knows. willing to do anything yeah, he, to make it happen. No love for Ben and the others at this point. Yeah, there's no love lost between her and the others at this point. Yeah, and um, and so yeah, that that convinces him that like she must be on the level because she wants out. But she's not on the level because then we have one final scene and one final flashback where we see uh, Ben has given Juliet instructions. We see him laying out the whole plan with Kate. That if Kate figures it out, like what to tell her, and it's got to go to that beach, and you're going to earn their trust because we've got we've got uh, 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 something in Claire that we can activate to make her sick, and you will solve this crisis. And um, you know, and I'll, that should win everyone over. And then I'll see you in a week. And then. That's it. It saddens on this note of, oh, Juliet can't. We spend this whole episode trying to get Juliet's trust, but now we realize she can't be trusted. However, again, what you don't know at the end of the episode is, does she want to be doing this? Like, because what Jack says about how she wants off that island so badly, it does leave, like, you can't trust her. But also, it does leave this part in your head of, like, how much can Ben trust her? Or how much is she doing this still under duress? Like, she's not, she's not part of the team, necessarily. Yeah, thanks, thanks to the flashback, we know that um, she will do anything to get back home to her sister. Even if that means betraying Jack and his cohorts. Which is something she probably doesn't want to do but will do if it means going home and going back to her family, you know? Exactly. But it was this twist ending that made me very frustrated the first time I watched this series because I wasn't on Team Juliet. Uh, Like, going through it a second time, you know, like a decade later, I, I definitely feel more for her predicament than I did first time around because the first time around it was just frustration of oh i knew we couldn't trust her this is the worst she's the worst and which is a very immature attitude to have um but like you know this this is a great twist ending and it is good drama i like i can't (laughs) i can't say it's bad it's really interesting and intriguing um so megan now it's time to ask you the question I ask at this time, who is your, or what is your Jacob? Ooh, we're starting with Jacob this week, huh? Yeah. Let's start with Jacob. Oh, gosh. There's so many good, good little things in this episode. Um, There's great dialogue. There's great acting. Um, Like, 
so many great little moments of um, really brilliant character stuff uh, that like it's it's hard honestly to pick a favorite. Um, I'm gonna give it to the moment that made me actually throw up my hands and cheer though, and that's the moment where Jack and Sawyer hug <laughs> because it's, it's like nice. it's, it's it's so nice. It's so nice. It's a nice understated character thing. Yeah, that says like, so much about their relationship. Like, the episode dwells more on the hug that Sawyer has with Kate, but I, like, Jack and Sawyer, even if it's just for a moment, burying the hatchet <laughs> is is something I will always appreciate. Well, and also, Jack and Sawyer, right, unless I'm completely wrong, and I don't think I am, they haven't seen each other since they were kidnapped on the dock. Uh, yeah, yeah, because, yeah. like, um, Sawyer, Sawyer they, 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 they were kept in different places. The only time they ever saw each other is when Jack was being hauled away um, with a black bag over his head and when uh, Jack was looking at Sawyer through a monitor. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a nice, it's a nice moment um, but there are lots of really good character bits. Like that bit with Hurley was fantastic. Uh, the the tiny bits with her and her sister are great. Even the bit where she calls Ben out on his bullshit uh, of like, you lied to me and just lays into him. Um, all of it is really good stuff. But uh, yeah, Jack and Sawyer, that gets, that gets my man in white for this one. Um, my Jacob is a very big somewhat general one but i have to do it I, I think elizabeth mitchell is so good in this episode i think that she this is one of those showcases i mean we get to see her break down emotionally about her sister fighting with ben we get to see her really like i said be completely in command taking uh uh, uh dressing down saeed and sawyer uh she gets to put on like a little like she gives us a little bit of everything gets to put on a little bit of an acting clinic um and uh, i i think yeah. it's great she gets to wear multiple different hats in this episode it's pretty great um and also uh i know we'll we'll talk about it more in future seasons but the reveal at the end of this episode that she is essentially pulling a con on everyone it is one of those things where you look back on it and you're like oh yeah she and Sawyer do make sense. <laughs> yeah, exactly. See? Yep. All right. I'm 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 starting to come around on this particular issue. <laughs> we'll see uh, how I feel once we get there. <laughs> what's your man in black? I really don't like the pregnancy plot line. Like um like in I, just in, I, I hate to be so general about it. But I really do dislike it. Uh, it ultimately doesn't really end up going where. And even though it's a great sort of framing device for a lot of the drama that's happening right in the here and now in season three, um, it's weird. <laughs> I I think ultimately it's weird. It's kind of it's it, like, and ultimately it doesn't go anywhere. Um, like at the end of the day the i don't like you have to look up the reason why women couldn't get pregnant in the lost encyclopedia because it's nothing that the show ever addresses because they just the show just sort of forgets about it after a while and it no longer becomes relevant and just, i 
Oh, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, you've given me a good, because I was going to say, just like they forget about Claire. And my man in black is Claire, because it's another episode where they just kind of, I don't know, poor Claire never has anything to do. And in this one, it's like she's sick, and it's barely a, a plot line. Yeah, she's more of a plot device in this episode than she is a person, which is such a bummer because one, like we, I I guess the good things about it is that like, you know, we get some nice Charlie moments because, you know, Charlie's not going to be around for much longer. So we have some nice Charlie moments and I have no idea why the show never decided to give Claire and Sawyer an episode together. Because out of everybody on the island, uh, Sawyer, for some reason, has a soft spot for Claire. Like, at the very beginning of the series, like, he hands her over a bunch of, you know, driver's licenses when he doesn't have to because she's planning that whole eulogy thing. And, like, when whenever Claire needs something, Sawyer will always cave, <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. And even just at, in, at the beginning of this episode, when she's like, Hey, I need some aspirin. He's like, I am on it. And it's not going to cost you a thing. <laughs> like, you know, I'll tell you why he's this. Okay. I'll tell you why he is that way. I could tell you what the retroactive reason is. And I could tell you what probably the initial reason is. Please do. Please tell me. I am fascinated by the The fact that out of everybody on the island, she is the only one that can get him to do stuff like that. The initial reason is they probably knew that if they had Sawyer be mean to a young, single, pregnant woman we would turn on her as network television viewers might. But the retroactive reason... Turn on her or turn on him? Oh, turn on him. Sorry, sorry. Okay. Turn on him. (laughs) Um, But the retroactive reason, I would argue, is here is a man who has a daughter, knows he has a daughter out there. Uh, He wasn't around when the woman who had his child, was pregnant. I think he's just got a soft spot and he's got some 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 guilt towards even the idea of a of a of a of a pregnant lady. You, you know what I mean? Like there's yeah, something about yeah. that residually. But you know, also we also know Sawyer is the charming rogue. Like he's not a bad guy. He's a bad guy with a, a lowercase B, not a capital B. <laughs> True. True. I do think it's funny, though, that like, you know, he and Jack butt heads so many times that out of everybody on the island, it's Jack's little sister that can make him relent. Like, you know how how kids will like get into fights a lot of time. And for some reason, it's um, this guy's little sister going, hey, I need something that makes him go, oh, OK, fine. That makes this delinquent <laughs> go, oh, OK, fine. It's really cute. I want to see the Muppet Baby version of Lost. <laughs> Is that so much to ask, Will? That's the fan fiction you got to start writing. <laughs> and <laughs> Megan... Once I'm finished with Detective Kate, once Me- I finish that saga, I'll get right on it. <laughs> Megan, once you're done with that uh, uh, Muppet Baby Lost fanfic, <laughs> where will the people be able to find you to read it? 
Uh, you guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Manguin. That's T H E M E N G U I N. I uh, also have a YouTube channel called Silver Screams, where me and my roommate talk about horror things. And I'm also a member of the Rooster Team Radio, where me and my co host talk about Rooster Teeth related content. So go check all of that stuff out. It's a good time. And you can follow me on Twitter at the Real World Link. And if you're still looking for something to read in quarantine, I have a novel, Crazy About Kurt. You can buy it on Amazon where, you know, you buy books. Um, <laughs> so, until next time, see you in another life, brother. Hey there, everybody. I'm Will Link of No Love Lost. With me as always... Megan Salinas. Hey, everybody. And we're here to talk to you about the podcast Jukebox, a DIY podcast network. Uh, yeah, the podcast Jukebox network has been super supportive of us as we venture back to the island. Uh, and so we just wanted to take a minute to thank uh, them and to let you guys know that you guys should be supporting the other podcast put on by this fantastic network. If you are enjoying No Love Lost, definitely give a listen to many of the other podcasts, far, many of which are far less vanilla than we are. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 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 off the Cuffs, which is kind of the flagship show of the network. It is the BDSM kink podcast that kind of launched this whole network uh, off. You've got the Goth Librarian podcast. You have Being There podcast, a great storytelling podcast. You have The Queers Next Door, also on the network. Uh, proud to be Kinky. Uh, Drinks with God. And a little podcast that's close to my heart, Megan. What is that one called? Will Sean Podcast? Yeah. Will mm. he? Oh, no. Spoiler alert. Uh, not as frequently as usual. <laughs> but you should definitely subscribe to all these shows, rate them, listen to them on iTunes. Yeah, definitely. Uh, these are all fantastic storytellers. It's so important to be sex positive. So go support these other podcasts. And uh, yeah, if you like us, you might like them. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> it makes sense. We're on the same network. <laughs> so yes, rate and subscribe to all these terrific shows. And don't forget to rate them all five stars. And also rate us five stars. Yeah, while you're at it, you're listening to us. Might as well give us a rating. <laughs> you're already there. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs>